Hello, and welcome to another episode of Florida Foodie. It's summer, and that means kids are out of school. For a lot of kids here in Florida, that also means they are missing out on meals. In Central Florida alone, one in five children deal with food insecurity. Those kids often depend on school lunch programs, but when schools are out, where do they turn? That's where Florida's Summer Break Spot program kicks in. It provides meals throughout the summer months in all sorts of places, seven days a week. To tell us more about the need for this program and how it is getting results for kids all throughout the Sunshine State, we are joined today by the woman who oversees it all, Lakeisha Hood, the director of the Division of Food, Nutrition, and Wellness for the state of Florida. Welcome to another episode of Florida Foodie. I'm your host, Lisa Bell, along with our producer, Thomas Mates. And summer is here. Kids are out of school, which sounds great, but it creates a problem for a lot of kids who rely on school lunch programs for food. So to tell us more about this issue and what Florida is doing to help those kids, we are joined today by Lakeisha Hood, the director of the Division of Food, Nutrition, and Wellness for the state of Florida. Thank you so much for being here today. Hi, yes. Thank you for having me. Well, we are so happy to have you here because, as I mentioned, it is summertime, and this is such a huge issue. The numbers are really just staggering when you start talking about food insecurity, especially among kids. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tell us about some of those numbers and the challenges that we're facing in the state of Florida and really at a national level as well. So so food insecurity nationally um, is kind of an epidemic issue. Um, and in Florida, we see it a lot more. It's a state that um, if you look at the U.S. Department of Agriculture's measures uh, for what they consider a food desert, the state of Florida has well over 500 food deserts. And those are areas where there is low income and low access to uh, healthy food retailers. Um, and so when you look at that and, and you consider the fact that there are children in every community across the state, um, you know that that food insecurity is trickling down into homes, um, not only to parents and guardians, but also to children as well. Um, so we see our programs as kind of a safety net to help ensure that uh, childhood hunger does not get exasperated in the state of Florida. So obviously during the school year, it's very easy for parents and kids. They, in many cases, can get breakfast right. as well as lunch provided free of cost. But during the summertime, that presents a whole new challenge because kids obviously are not going to school right so what are you guys doing to combat that right so we have the great privilege of administering uh, the U.S. Department of Agriculture's summer food service program um, and in the state of Florida we've branded it a summer break spot uh, one of the things that we found in working with uh, hunger advocacy organizations in the state is that sometimes branding uh, these programs uh, kind of brings a new energy to it and helps especially some of our teenage audiences who need a little bit extra motivation to come into these sites to see it as as cool and a place that they will want to come and come with their friends and socialize and engage in activities, but also get a nutritious meal at the same time. Um, so we've been operating this program for a number of years and are proud uh, that this year that we have over 4,300 sites, feeding sites across the state. Um, and last year we did, we were able to serve over 14 million meals with our partners in the community um, who helped make this possible. That is incredible. I mean, you just rattled off a lot of stats there, 14 million yeah. meals. What do these, uh, these sites look like? I mean, 
they're all over the place, as you said. It's not just you, people aren't just going to schools again. Yeah. Really, yeah. So, so, so they range anywhere from your traditional school setting. So we do have schools that will open up some of their school sites, um, and particularly in communities that have high poverty rates or where at least 50% of the children in that community are eligible for free and reduced price meals. So we're targeting in on those populations who typically have a reliance on the programs that we operate during the school year um, to get nutrition assistance. And so we have the traditional school setting, we have summer camps, we have police athletic leagues who volunteer to help, uh, churches and faith-based organizations, your community centers, parks and recreation centers, um, you name it. We, we don't turn anyone away <laughs> who wants to uh, be able to provide children with nutrition during the summer. So we just make sure that they um, understand the rules and regulations that govern the program and we make sure that we train them up and understand kind of the things that we'll need back from them in order to reimburse them for the meals that they serve and, and we let them go to work. So they actually prepare the menu themselves as well and then provide food to kids. They do, they do. Okay. So the U.S. Department of Agriculture does set out um, some specific kind of nutrition requirements because we want to make sure um, that the food that they're getting, it, it meets the nutrition standards to make sure that they have enough of what they need uh, to be able to have the caloric intake to be able to function throughout the summer and to go back to school healthy um, in the next school year. So there are some, some uh, requirements for what the nutrition standards have to be for those meals, but we work with them. We have a team of dietitians who work individually with them to make sure that those menus hit all of those requirements. Is it breakfast, lunch, just lunch? What, what are we talking here? So our sites can serve up to two meals per day. It okay. can be anything from a breakfast, lunch, or supper. It can also be an AM snack or a PM snack. Um, and then there are opportunities where they can marry those programs with other programs that are administered. Uh, for example, the Child and Adult Care Food Program has what they call a supper program that uh, they can also participate participate in that program through the Department of Health and be able to serve up to three meals per day. Okay, I went onto your website. You guys have a great website where you Thank can you. put in a location and search for some of these sites if you're interested in going there yes. and getting a meal. So let's talk about that process. Say you want to sign up and, and take advantage of one of these summer break spots. What do you need to do, do you, to to be able to participate. Yeah, so we've tried to make it as simple as possible. So as possible. So first off, there are no eligibility requirements. Um, any child that's 18 years of, uh, or younger can walk up to any of the sites that they locate um, and be served a, a healthy and nutritious meal each day. Um, so in addition to our summer break spot meal locator map that's on um, our website, we do also um, have a relationship with United Way 211. And so 211 also uh, provides those locations if someone just wants to call in and find the location that's closest to them. Um, they can also text food FL to 877-877 and it will geolocate their actual place of location and give them the sites that are closest to them positionally. Oh. Do you feel like you're reaching all the people you need to be reaching? I mean, you mentioned you served 14 million meals. Is Are you meeting the need or is it even beyond that? Yeah, that's a lot of meals, but it certainly doesn't close the gap. Um, we know that just by looking at the amount of children that we serve during the school year, that there's a huge gap in between those students who are taking advantage of meals during school and the children who aren't taking advantage of the meals out of school. Um, so we work every year to do some analysis. Um, we work with the Florida Department of Children and Families and look at SNAP eligible households with children. 
um, and try to identify those pockets of communities where we know those eligible uh, families are who would fall into that poverty range where we know food assistance might be something that they may need. Um, and then we, we target them and we go in and we get on the ground and say to this church, to this community center, uh, to this boys and girls club, would you be willing to open up your doors and feed children this summer because we see that there's a need here. Um, so that's a continual effort for us. So a lot of it is just trying to build the accessibility because I mean kids have yes. to go to school and there's often buses that will take them there and everything like that. But you know, they don't have to be necessarily anywhere during yes. the summer. So are there even places where you have to get them to these locations? Are there like shuttle services? I, don't, I believe I actually even saw that there are some mobile spots, correct? Yeah, so mobile has been kind of a new phenomenon. It's something that's popping up all over the U.S., especially to deal with um, issues of making access available in rural communities where, where it's not possible for a child to either walk um, or to, to have uh, mass transit mm -hmm. to a summer break spot site. So we do have mobile sites now. Um, we've seen in some counties where they've piloted working with school districts to use school buses during the summer to basically make their same route, pick children up, bring them back to a summer break spot site, let them uh, mm -hmm. come for the enrichment activities and the meals, and then transport them back to where they normally would during a school year, mm -hmm. uh, be getting on school bus transportation. Mm -hmm. So coming up with some of those novel ways to reach populations who don't have access um, as readily as some of our more urban areas uh, is one of the challenges that we see uh, quite often. Access, I would say, is primary the primary issue in expansion. And when we talk about food insecurity, I mean, Central Florida has some of the higher rates in this state. The national rate for food insecurity is 13%. In Florida, it's above that at 13.4. But in Central Florida, uh, it's even above that. And specifically in Orange, Brevard, and Volusia counties, we were talking earlier, uh, Volusia County being the worst, with 14.3% of people having food insecurity. Mm -hmm. I mean, that seems like a lot of people. It, it is, and it's, it's an unfortunate statistic, but it's one of those things where um, a lot of times, and, and we're just getting into the, the phases where we're getting the whole community to buy into the idea of screening for food insecurity. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of times there are assumptions made about just looking at people and, and, and trying to determine just facially mm -hmm. whether or not there is a need there, but sometimes just asking the question and offering up the resources or making the resources available, a brochure, a flyer, having those types of things available just mm -hmm. in case a need is there um, is, is something that will at least help us get or reduce that food insecurity amount. Um, one of the other things that we've seen is that in, in food insecure populations, a lot of times it's not necessarily people who will qualify uh, for your traditional food assistance programs like the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program or SNAP. Um, a lot of these are people who are working individuals who just are, are not having enough uh, money to make it to the end of the month. And so mm -hmm. they find themselves in need of nutrition assistance programs like these. Um, you'll hear the food banks such as Second Harvest, Food Bank of Central Florida refer to this, this population as the working poor. Mm -hmm. um, they, they go to mm -hmm. work every day. They're trying their very best to make ends meet, but sometimes they have a little more month than they have mm -hmm. money. And so that's where our programs play a really big role. And there's a real stigma, especially among teenagers, associated with that. Yeah, even in our school pro our school programs, we struggle uh -huh. um, with the secondary programs, just making um, them feel comfortable in that right. environment and not to feel that there's some shame or stigma associated with receiving uh -huh. a meal. Um, so we use a lot of incentive programs like our community eligibility provision um, mm -hmm. and the summer break spot branding to try and mm -hmm. market things in a way that makes it a little bit more mm -hmm. fun and intriguing and to not necessarily associate the programs with any type of uh, income mm -hmm. level or socioeconomic mm -hmm. yeah. demographic. Yeah. Is that also why you kind of open up with the no eligibility? Like anyone who shows up will get fed? Yes. Yeah. 
Yes, absolutely. That's kind of the key point that we want to make known to anyone, that there's there's no stigma associated with this program. If you want to eat, come eat. We just want to make sure that everybody has access to a meal if they need a meal every day. And you're talking on the weekends, too. On the weekends, yeah. too. We have some sites that operate seven days a week, um, and our sites open up, some of them, as soon as school closes, the first day that school is out, they open up, and then they operate until school opens back up the next school year. Um, so we're trying to just make sure that we close that gap in between mm-hmm. uh, the summer vacation period when school's not in session. Is this only during summer vacations, or are there also like during like winter breaks and things like that? So our, our program um, is only during the summer uh, time, but we do have some rare exceptions that we can implement for example, in Florida during disasters, mm. um, we can actually stand up our summer break spot program to be able to make sure that children um, who are affected by disasters are able to receive meals. Um, the child and adult care food program that I mentioned that's administered by the Department of Health also allows them to operate uh, meal programs during breaks, like spring break, winter break, um, any of the breaks that they have throughout the year, they can operate that program. So summer break spot is funded by the federal government. Yes. And I imagine there are similar programs in, in all 50 states. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And so do you guys, how do you coordinate your efforts with other states? Do you work closely to see what they're doing and how effective it is? Is, is there a summer break spot in other states or is this unique to Florida? So we're glad to say summer break spot is unique to Florida, um, but it is a concept that's taken off, off, off across the U.S. Uh-huh. Um, so the branding concept is something that's taken off. And we certainly do kind of lean on our peers, our states, the other states mm-hmm. who operate this program to help give us ideas of how to expand, how to make it better, how mm-hmm. do we access more children in the summer Um, and so we we use them as our our peer network to make sure that we're doing everything possible Mm -hmm. to expand the reach of this program so you said it's been in effect for several years how long exactly so I've never heard of it before yeah the summer break spot program or the summer food service program um, has been around since 1968 oh wow it was actually started as a three-year pilot program by the US Department of Agriculture Um, and when they saw the extreme need that there was for it the dependence and reliance that a lot of families had on this program in the summertime they decided in 1975 to make it a permanent program so it's wow. been around just that long wow um, and i was asking you earlier the division of food nutrition and wellness is kind of interesting in the state of florida because it just switched it used to be under the department of agriculture right. or the department of education now it's under the department of agriculture and i was asking you there are several programs summer break spot being one of them that you guys run out of the department of agriculture but i was asking you what is the coordination between florida growers and some of these programs because it seems like it would be a perfect fit. It is, and that was that was the impetus for, for the transfer of the programs to try and make that connection a little bit more firm. And, mm-hmm. and we've taken it on wholeheartedly, um, and we try to make sure that we make the connection between growers and what's growing in Florida and what's showing up on a plate, in a food bank, mm-hmm. um, anywhere that any of our program programs operate, farmers markets, we try to make sure that fresh from Florida and Florida produce is there and is present and people understand understand that the grower who's here in Florida is the person who provided that food for them. Are you seeing people like growers in the county themselves then contributing to like that county, like say Orange County's summer break spot program, are they getting produce from growers right in Orange County? Absolutely, absolutely. We've even seen recently um, in the Treasure Coast area, we did a summer break spot uh, spike event and a grower brought in fresh watermelon and they sliced it up on on, on the site and uh, gave it out to the students and they had an opportunity yeah. to, to have fresh Florida grown watermelon. So we look for as many opportunities as we can mm-hmm. um, to be able to make that connection because we feel it's important that um, children 
children understand that that Florida agriculture is important in Florida. It's our, our number one industry and in that they know that when they go in the grocery store that some farmer here in Florida is working really, really hard mm-hmm. to get that produce on the shelf. So there's probably kids in these food deserts, like you said, there were 500 in the mm-hmm. state who may be experiencing produce at these spots they've never even seen before or, or had the chance to, to get on their, their plates. Absolutely. It's interesting in the summertime because um, our growing seasons are get a little bit slow in the summer and so watermelon and tropical fruits are some of the things that we see quite frequently. Um, last year we had a site that experimented with star fruit and it was the first time that a lot of those children had ever been exposed to star fruit so it was great to be able to see that and then to also make that connection to agriculture at the same time. Are there certain parts of the state that seem to be having more success than other parts with this program? Definitely in South and Central Florida. Um, what we're working on now is trying to figure out supply chain management for the North Florida area, the Big Bend area, because a lot of the produce that's produced in the state of Florida is is down in, in the Central and South regions. And so we're trying mm-hmm. to make it where it's affordable for them at a price point mm-hmm. to get that brought all the way up to North Florida and the mm-hmm. Panhandle so that they can benefit from the same types of produce that our other uh, counterparts These are. sites, though, when they provide these meals, you say they then submit basically a receipt to be yes. reimbursed. So can they go to Publix and buy like like wheat bread or how exactly does that work? They can. It varies. Um, mm-hmm. So we have sites that some vary. They may have 10 children that they serve every day. And of course, they can go to a local grocery store or Costco or Sam's Club um, and source that the food that they're buying. And then we have larger um, sites like Orange County Public Schools here where they have over 200 sites that they operate um, in the Orange County area where with them, a lot of their sourcing comes through some of the bigger contracts that they have with mainline distributors like a Sodexo um, or a U.S. Foods. Um, so it varies mm-hmm. based on the size of the operation, um, but they definitely have the ability to, to buy uh, local as often mm-hmm. as they like. Mm-hmm. And some of these sites are like libraries and community centers as well. So, I mean, have people come to get food and then been able to then, you know, take part in other programs that might be available at these locations and, you know, really be able to like not only just get a meal, but also like get them out of the heat, get them off the streets, things of that nature. Yeah, that's one of the key components to the Summer Break Spot program is that our operators have to ensure that they have some type of enrichment program that they typically operate year round. Um, So when they're showing up, they're not just showing up for the food, but they also get to be able to participate in some enrichment activities, physical fitness activities, any type of wellness and nutrition education. Um, So it varies from site to site, but they all have enrichment activities that are tied to them. Do you have to participate in the enrichment activity in order to get the meal? Well, we would like them to, but (laughs) as you can imagine with teenagers, teenagers, that might be a little bit challenging, Uh but our younger children who show up to the sites, they love it. Yeah, they love Mm -hmm. it. So you've been with this department for several years. Um, What do you see as the biggest challenges for food insecurity? Are we going in the right direction or not? I think that we are. I mean, it's it's amazing to have someone like Commissioner Freed kind of at the helm of this agency and making food insecurity a priority. Mm -hmm. Um, Once you have a champion like that it makes it really easy to get corporations, nonprofit organizations, advocacy organizations all on the same page and focused on this issue Mm -hmm. and making sure that in a state like Florida where we have so much agricultural abundance Mm -hmm. that we're making use of those resources to ensure that people have what they need every day. What's one of the uh, bigger partnerships you guys have been able to sign on to these sorts of programs? So recently Commissioner Freed um, was down in South Florida and launched an an effort with Lyft. Um, Lyft has a grocery access program that they've piloted in three other metropolitan areas in the U.S. and um, she worked with them and was able to bring it into Florida and the way that the program works is that there's a subsidy that Lyft provides to be able to get uh, 
residents who live in food deserts or, or low access areas to grocery stores um, basically at low or no cost. Wow. Um, so they provide the access for them if they're transportation limited, which is amazing. And is that statewide? So right now it's just in uh, South Florida in one community. Um, and th the hope is that eventually we can expand that across the state because it certainly is something that would be very useful in, in, in closing that gap in food insecurity. And there are also a lot of challenges, though, I know, facing Florida growers, uh, you know, whether it's citrus greening and right. diseases that they're facing, as well as just overall markets and the economy. What mm -hmm. are some of the biggest challenges facing our producers here in Florida? Well, well, those are those are large. Um, I think some of the other things that we've considered is that a lot of times they don't have the the money to be able to put forward to promote. Um, and a lot of times we do a lot of exporting. But then right here in Florida, people aren't being able to take advantage or know how to take advantage of what we grow. Mm -hmm. um, so our Fresh from Florida brand and the Florida Agricultural Promotional Campaign has been key in that yeah. and making sure that there's brand recognition for what Florida growers are able to produce so that people not only in, in Florida but across the U.S. and in foreign countries understand that Florida is here and we have everything that you could possibly think to offer as far as produce is concerned. So I was just asking you about that because when you go to the grocery store and you see like an avocado, typically you see like produced or made in Mexico. Mm -hmm. So what are the requirements? and how do you know whether you're buying something that's produced in Florida? So the Fresh from Florida campaign is, is huge for, for Florida and I think that we're unique in that we make sure that that branding is there. We have good relationships with grocers and retailers um, through our division of marketing and development. Um, but typically the country of origin is what you'll see um, in the store. It's very rare that you'll come in and you'll be able to see state of origin, which is something special about us. Um, there are some kind of products that you'll see it on like Idaho potatoes or Vidalia mm -hmm. onions that mm -hmm. they have to have that marketing on them but fresh from florida is is major for us because it's it's brand recognition and it's a confidence level that you have associated with knowing that what you're buying just came out of a field that could have gotten here in less than a day yeah mm -hmm. that's key it's yes. so important and it makes such a huge difference if you're you know comparing your oranges or your tomatoes or whatever you can mm -hmm. literally taste the difference yes you can yeah, and just circling back around you you were saying that that sends a message to the kids that you're also serving in these summer break spot programs that like this is from your state this is this is coming to you this is where you live right yeah, yeah. and what an incentive to to get mm -hmm. children to understand agriculture and perhaps consider it as a career you know mm -hmm. agriculture education is another one of the priorities that commissioner freed has and and it's an industry that i think we have a great opportunity now to to invigorate and get our mm -hmm. children to understand that this industry is is going to need some new blood and it's going to need people who are who are willing and able and want to and desire to keep it going um, so agriculture exposure i think is key in that and making sure that they understand where that food is coming from and and what they can do to become a part of that supply chain do you think that we've been lacking as a society in exposing kids to agriculture and the careers that they could have in that field so it used to be something that was really big you know when mm -hmm. When I was growing up, uh, Future Farmers of America was huge. 4-H was huge. Um, and, and as we've evolved into the social media age, we've kind of gotten away from those things. But they still exist. And FFA and 4-H are great organizations to be able to help children understand how important agriculture is, especially here in Florida, where, it, where it's a top 
uh, industry for us. So earlier you mentioned, I want to have you mention it again, how people can get involved with the summer break spot. If they know someone or, or want to somehow participate, what do they need to do? Yeah, so if they want to participate as a site, um, we do have a link on our website, summerbreakspot.org, uh, for them to be able to go to and tell us, hey, next year I want to be able to be the person who provides these meals. And we're happy to work with them and get them going and up and running for the next summer. Um, if you know of families or children who you feel could take advantage of the programs, we have the meal, meal uh, site locator on our website. Um, you can also call 211 or you can text Florida F, uh, Food FL to 877-877 and get sites immediately texted back to you to where you can go and get a meal. I love it. It's incredible. Yeah, it well, is. Lakeisha Hood, the director of the Division of Food, Nutrition, and Wellness for the state of Florida. Thank you so much for joining thank us on Florida Foodie. Thank you both for Foodie. having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Florida Foodie. We would also like to thank our guest, Lakeisha Hood. You can learn more about the Summer Break Spot program online at summerbreakspot.org. Be sure to follow Lisa Bell on social media. Search Lisa Bell News on Facebook and Instagram or Lisa Bell News 6 on Twitter. You can also find her new children's book online at normangnomebooks.com. And be sure to search Norman Gnome Books on Facebook and Instagram as well. Also, a big thank you to our technical producers, Derek Mosier and Ryan Holly. I'm the show's producer, Thomas Mates. Florida Foodie is available to download wherever you get your podcasts. Please be sure to rate and review us. And you can find videos of all of our podcasts on clickorlando.com slash podcasts. Please share those on social media.